I know you have a lot of things you could be doing, but I do appreciate you deciding to join us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, because Chris Sims is our guest. Chris Sims, football analyst for NBC. He does a myriad, a multitude of things for NBC, and he'll be part of the coverage of the Bengals-Steelers game this weekend. So I wanted to catch up with Chris, get his perspective on Jake Browning at the quarterback position. Wanted to get his perspective on the Cincinnati Bengals as a whole, uh, how they stack up in the AFC North, what he foresees from a playoff standpoint regarding the Cincinnati Bengals, and just talk football in general. There's nobody better to do that with than Chris Sims. Congratulations on your decision to join in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, as always in our phenomenal studios, because we've got a phenomenal guest, a good friend of the show, and this is Chris Sims. Uh, first met Chris Sims when he was a stud quarterback for Mac Brown down at University of Texas, 26-6 and six record down there as the starting quarterback at Texas uh, almost a decade of playing the National Football League. Now he's an analyst for NBC Sports, including Football Night in America. He does Notre Dame football as well. Co-host of Pro Football Talk. Co-host of Peacock Sunday Night Football Final. I don't know. Enough hours in the day. I don't think there are. That's why we're so appreciative of your time here, sir. No, it's always good to be with you, Dave. We go way back, certainly. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy talking ball with you. I do. You got great perspective. And, uh uh, yeah, I, I I also like the Bengals a little bit. I do. I just got a spe- I got family that lives in Cincinnati. Of course, my dad grew up in Louisville, so I think he was always, you know, somewhat of a a, a Cincinnati sports fan right. as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, there there's there they got somewhat of a little. I can't say the word Bengals correctly, and I get criticized all the time there. I say bangles because I'm from Jersey and I know it should be bangles, right? So I always hear that, but uh, I do have great respect for Zach Taylor, the organization, and of course, Joe Burrow and, and a lot of other guys there. All right. So let's, let's talk about the quarterback position. Joe Burrow, unfortunately, is one of, is it nine starters? I know it's at least seven, maybe it's seven uh, starters that aren't playing anymore for their respective football teams due to injury. It's crazy. Jake Browning uh, stepped up in, in Joe Burrow's place. What about Jake Browning? I mean, his numbers have been historic, not just good. I mean, he's the since 1950 in his first four starts, the only quarterback that's completed better than 75% of his passes for over a thousand yards or more. I mean, the only one to do it. Does the tape uh, confirm that he's playing at that high level in your mind, Chris? Yeah. Playing at a very high level, you know, there's no question about that. Now, are there a few plays and throws every game that I look at to go, oh, man, if they had Joe Burrow, they would have hit that right there. Or, oh, if they had Joe Burrow, you know, they wouldn't play this defense right here because it'd be see you later, Jamar Chase. He's about to run for a 70-yard touchdown. So it's not Joe Burrow, all right? that That's the first thing I want to make clear. But it is damn good, and it's about as good as you're going to find uh, as far as backup quarterback in football. You know, I think, one – He's got a lot of Joe Burrow qualities, right? He's just got a natural feel for the football game, where to slide in the pocket. He almost looks like Joe when he throws the football, right? The way he sees the field. 
He's very accurate in the short to intermediate range as far as throwing the football. And I think when you couple that to where, again, I think the Bengals are showing their championship culture that they got there right now. It's not just about one player. You know, there's a reason this team has been in the AFC championship game two years in a row. There's a lot of good players and grit and toughness and, and you know, playmaking ability on this football team that goes outside of Joe Burrow. And I think that's what's impressive. And then I think when you couple that with, I, I think, really phenomenal game planning by uh, Zach Taylor and Callahan and what they've done to kind of bring along Jake Browning. I mean, again, think about the Jaguars game. I mean, every throw to start the game was behind the line of scrimmage, yep. right? But okay, we're just going to get Jamar the ball. We're going to get our guys the ball. And then we'll start to get them to creep up and worry about that. And then we'll take advantage of some things there. They play the Colts. They run play action like all game long, even when they're not even like really running the ball at a consistent level. Almost every big pass and completion of the game against the Colts was off of play action, something that I hadn't seen them do to that extent let alone some movement and formations that I went, oh, wow, I like this and what they're doing there. Their screen game is, an, is greatly improved, it feels like, since Burrow's been out of the game. And the big thing is just get the ball to 135 and 83, and damn, you'll be okay. And I think Jake Browning has figured that out you know, uh, quite quickly, actually. Yeah, I, I totally agree with with everything everything you're saying. It's It's – the thing about him that that's impressive, it, it, creative uh, plays. You know when you have to create and extend. Yeah, defense, t defense takes away the first play, and then you create and extend and formulate a second play. And and those in the National Football League, half of the explosives are those kind of plays. And he's got that kind of ability. He can move. And he throws on the run really well, doesn't he? He does. He he does. I mean, he's got great control of the football. It's not the only time I see him lose control are some of the power throws, like I mentioned a little earlier. But anything in that 5 to 15 range, I mean, he's pretty on point. And then, yes, the athletic ability, like, hey, he's not going to go around the edge and rip off a 20-yard run. Right. But has that sixth sense like a burrow of when to get out of the pocket, where to go, and then keeping the eyes downfield to strike knowing that, Hey, yeah, I'm not going to make, you know, my bones running around and being Lamar Jackson. I'm going to do it, manipulate the defense and, and making a nice accurate throw. And he did that in the Minnesota game too. Minnesota's well coached. So, you know, the secondary there, they were primed up on some of the things you guys were doing. He had to buy some extra time to get guys open or make a player here or there. So it, that it's been impressive, you know, through all facets, it really has, you know, the, and especially in a year where, you know, your defense, the Cincinnati Bengals defense certainly isn't been as good as we're used to creating turnovers, making plays, giving up too many plays. In my opinion, I don't think that's even, you know, that's factual. I think you'd all feel that way as Bengal fans, but uh, yeah, this has been pretty cool to watch here down the stretch. And I'm excited to see if it continues on Saturday against the Steelers. I mean, his, his fourth quarter numbers, 76.5%. Uh, that's like, that's number one in the NFL. In, in his time frame for the four starts. Uh, 26 completions in the fourth quarter, fifth in the league. 267 yards, seventh in the league. 7.9 per attempt, uh, fifth in the league. 118.1 quarterback rating, third in the league. You know, I mean, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It's amazing. At fourth quarter numbers, I mean, the Bengals, um, it, it, talking about uh, them playing well in December, nine straight December wins. 
That's the longest streak in uh, in the current streak in the NFL, and it's the longest streak in franchise history. It seems like Zach Taylor does a good job of not beating the heck out of them and keeping them fresh, and the coach is fresh too for the for the this December football. It's real important. It is. It's important. I think there's that right. I wish they would hit the ground running a little quicker early in the year and not have to make it so tough on themselves at times, right? But you know, to what you're saying, there's something there to be said about, yeah, the team's fresh. And then where I really just, I look at the Bengals and where I'm always so impressed with them is their game plan specific. They don't just go, well, this is what we do. And we're going to run this again this week with a little minor change. Like they're willing to go outside the box on both sides of the ball and go, we got to do this this week. We don't really do it a lot, but we got to do it because we feel like this is our way to win the football game. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, this is the third year in a row that when I feel like you get to about mid-November, whoever's breaking down film, the coaching staff and all that, they just start to crack the code on everybody, it seems like. And so when you talk about, you know, the defense creating some turnovers, Jake Browning playing the right way, but then the offense and Zach Taylor and Callahan putting him in a spot to be successful, like, you know, again, he has the Colts game, right? It's 275 yards passing. He played really well. Don't get me wrong. But he had like 120, over 120 something yards on screen plays, right? right? So right. those, man, those numbers look good when you get big plays like that. I threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage and he, woo, he ran way down the field. Look at me. I'm an awesome quarterback. That to me is where the coaching has really come in to make Jake Browning, the offense feel better. And Jake Browning gets a completion like a basketball player. You see the ball go through the hoop a few times, even though it might not be that spectacular. You start to go, Hey, I'm on fire. Give me the ball. I'm on fire. And that's the same thing they've done. I think for Jake Browning, you know, like we said, the Jaguars game, bunch of easy completions, easy completions. Okay. He's in a rhythm. Let's start calling some plays down the field. Did the same thing in the Colts game, a little different approach in the Vikings game, but still uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with, like I said, the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball by the Bengals. Kudos to them. Well, that you've hit it right on the head, finding completions. You know, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. The very first snap that he took when Joe went down with the wrist injury against the Ravens, he comes in, you know, cold off yeah. the bench. And right. Zach runs a naked bootleg and gives him a <laughs> wide open throw. I couldn't and, believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but that's to your point. It's like this is what I think is going to be the best opportunity to you know get him grounded a little bit. Right, you know? exactly. And, I mean, exactly. Just that—that that was just a heck of. It a gets the nerves team. out for a quarterback. It gets you feeling like you're in a rhythm. You know, I learned that even New England with the Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. You know, we'd start games up when I was working up there, and you know, I'm up in the box, whatever, listening to the game. I wasn't allowed on the sideline. And, you know, I'd always laugh and be, you know, the announcer would be like, oh, Brady's hot early. He's <laughs> 10 for 11 for 140 yards. Watch out, Brady's hot. And I'm sitting there, you know, of course, I'm working for the offensive side of the ball going, yeah, he's hot, but we haven't thrown a ball over two yards yet. Like, this is unbelievable. But right. what it did end up is, yes, it continued to make him hot. Oh, now there's a 20-yard in cut. I feel good. Boom. I'm comfortable in the game. I'm comfortable in the pocket. And that's where Zach Taylor and Callahan have done you know, great justice to to Browning that way. A screen game. Um, screen a, game. A successful screen game. How responsible is the quarterback? I mean, how big is the quarterback selling? It? I mean, the, the things that you have to do, you might have to take a hit, you know, yes, uh, right. in the screen game. How, how big is all of that? 
there's nuance, right, to, to what you're saying. You know, there's nuance to make it work. You don't want to just drop back and throw it to him real quick, right? You want to let the D-line, come on, get close. You might sack right. me. Come here, come here. Oh, you're so close. Hot potato. <laughs> See you later. You didn't get me, right? right? That, your eyes, your eyes are incredibly important, right? So, hey, you you know, you make a little run fake and you try to sell that concept over here. I'm really looking over here to Jamar Chase and to the last possible second. Oh, boom. There's Brown or Joe Mixon. You know, yeah. it's that it's the, the quality of the fake. If it is a play action and really selling that. And then of course, making that play action look like a normal play action. And again, right after it's setting up like, Hey, I'm going downfield to Jamar chase. Oh, actually I'm not. Here's Brown underneath. Watch him go. So those are the little things uh, that are important for a quarterback. And I'm sure they're also programming him with, you know, hey, we want to run this screen, but if they play this defense or blitz or do this, check out of it. You know, very rarely do the Bengals run. They don't waste offensive plays. They don't run plays or I ever watch a play and go, well, that was stupid. Why would you even waste running that play against that look? That'll never work, right? I don't say that with the Bengals. I'm not always in wow of what they do, but yeah. I always go, well, cover four, that's the right play to run against cover. Oh, two-man, that's the right thing to do against two-man, right? And that's where I always find them, you know, to be borderline genius is they always seem to be in the right play versus the right defense. In the uh, first matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers ran the ball for over 150 yards. The Bengals ran it for 25. I mean, Joe Mixon, 16 yards on eight carries. So one-dimensional. So, yeah. you know, I mean uh, – yeah, you don't want that again. No. I mean, how, how big how big is the fact that the Bengals have had a competent running game to balance that offense a little bit with Jacob quarterback? Yes, I, I think that's the big thing. You know, it's a competent running game. Like you said, they're staying patient with it for the most part. So they're not letting anybody off the hook, slows down the pass rush a little bit. You know, doesn't allow the team to always just go, oh, we're gonna play coverage and stop Chase and Higgins and worry about all that. I really think, I mean, you know, there's some silver linings in that first game. Of course, that was Jake Browning's first football game. He did a lot right. of good things. Yep. And I think if he doesn't throw the interception there when you guys are in the red zone, you're probably going to win the football game. That was a huge turning point, right? Yeah. He's not that same guy anymore. The Steelers aren't the same team anymore. They've gone downhill ever since that game, right? But, yeah, they don't want to become too pass happy against – you know, the crazy Steelers and TJ Watt and Highsmith and some of the creative blitzes they can bring. That's where you got to stay with the run game. Even if you're going, wait, we're not really killing it. We got to do it just to keep them honest. Let our offensive line fire off the ball. Keep our play action pass available, you know, and the screen passes that we do off of that. And I think that'll be you know, something that I'm sure Zach Taylor will have a focus on. And he's going to have some plays in the game where he's going to look at his sheet and go, I really want to throw it. But I think the best thing for our overall team is to run it here and and uh, they'll stay patient with it. What do you think about uh, Mason Rudolph at quarterback for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I, I, I mean, I don't love any of the Steelers quarterbacks. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I say that in, in you know, in, in reality, I was not a huge Kenny Pickett fan coming out in the draft. Right. You know, kind of what we're seeing is kind of what I thought. I just he's good player, knows how to play the position, but nothing wowed me. Right. There was yep. no trade I looked at to go, ooh, he could be a superstar one day. And here we are after year two. 
And you talk to anybody in the know, it sounds like they're not sure he's the future of their team either. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's interesting there. Mitch Trubisky's played too much football to do some of the dumb things he does. Mason Rudolph, you know, he is tough. He'll hang in the pocket. He is a pretty good deep ball thrower. Right. And that's where it scares me a little bit because the amount of explosive plays the damn Bengals have let up on defense this year, which is shocking. You know, that's where I do look at one angle of, you know, the Steelers could pull off an upset or a win or get something going offensively. It's just that the Bengals defense, the young safeties, Lou and Aruma, they, they're just a little too aggressive and let something fly over the top. But that offense in Pittsburgh certainly struggling. You know that. That's not news to anybody out there. Uh, and I don't expect this to be some big-time bump for the Steelers' offense where all of a sudden they find their groove. You know, I think they'll be ugly, and they want to make the game ugly. They don't want to let Jamar Chase and Higgins and this become a track meet. They know that's not their type of game. and their world, they want to do like they did the first time. Ugly, win 16-13, 13-10, right? And I think in the Bengals' perfect world, if you can get it to the 20s or a little above that, then you're talking about Cincinnati type of ball. And I don't know if the Bengals and the Steelers can keep pace with that. Yeah. Um, boy, Fryermuth, uh, he was targeted 11 times, had nine catches for 120 yards. That's a third of his catches for the season, almost half his yards for the season. I mean, the Bengals have had trouble defensively. They've given up more catches for more yards at the tight end position than any defense in the NFL. It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. I just, um, it's it's I know they're missing the you know the veteran safeties from last year. There's been a few injuries, right? Um, but yeah, I just uh, to me one of the shocking things of all the, the whole season, and I've kind of been saying this on my stuff here for the last nine or ten weeks, is just the amount of big plays. Yeah, the Bengals have given up, right? Yeah. Whether it's blown assignments, maybe too aggressive of a call on defense. You know, maybe just the young guys and it's too much on their plate and they mess things up that way. But definitely been a little shocking with the the performance on that side of the ball this year. You know, it's interesting. The last the point you made there, uh, maybe a little bit too much on the plate for some of the young guys. I remember very vividly um, my first couple of years in the NFL, Paul Brown was our head coach and we weren't losing football games, but we we're making some mistakes uh, defensively and offensively. So offensively, he comes into our meeting room and he goes, he draws three runs up on the board and four passes. And he goes, this is our offense this week. Now we're going to do it out of multiple formations, different look, but this is it. Until you guys prove to me that you can handle more, this is it. We went out and kicked their butts, man, because we, we were so honed in and fine-tuned on those plays. And he did the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. I think sometimes at this stage of the season you've been – you know, trying to grind and I'm going to come up with something to combat right. this and that. Why don't you be the puncher and make them be the counter puncher? Do what you do, you know, and 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 just kind of simplify a little bit. I I I hear you there. I think that's something that certainly can be you know delved into a little bit by that that Bengals coaching staff. I mean, I, I think you're saying some things there that are very correct. You know, again, I can speak to that in 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 my own career a little bit. You yeah. know, I worked for John Gruden. And he'd, you know, we'd come in for practice and he'd go, oh man, he'd be, oh man, we ran 190 plays today. And I wanted to be like, yeah, but we, you know, we messed up 175 of them. Like who the hell cares that we ran 190? We messed up 175. Yeah. Then I go and play for Josh McDaniels and I work for the New England Patriots. And they're literally like, to your point, 
here's the first 10 plays in the playbook. We're not going to move to the next 10 until we master the first 10. Right. And you'd go, damn, this is day three, and we're still running the same 10 plays here in training camp. Yeah, well, we didn't master it that way. You know, when I was in New England, they were messing up cover two every now and then. Bill played cover two every snap for like two preseason games in a row. I mean, teams would be on the goal line and goal line. He'd play Tampa two because like we got to we're not we're not figuring it out. We're going to do this right before we move to the next thing. So there is something to that. And I do think you guys have enough talent there on the defensive side of the ball that you don't always have to be exotic or recreate the wheel. Uh, just to make the defense work. And I think there's some sense to to what you're saying, Dave. I'm with you there. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, at training camp, Paul Brown, day one in the morning, we'd install one run. In the afternoon, one pass. And then we'd have team drill, and that's it. We'd have two plays. And you talk about knocking heads, and it's like, I mean, they got nothing to defend other than those yeah. two plays. And then right. day two, another run, another pass. You know, And then you, you get into the second week, you might have more than a handful of each. But I mean, those scrimmages were like, whoa! I mean, you you are definitely figuring out how to get it done under the toughest circumstances. Exactly. Possible. You know, right. and it's, it's right. Like, I, it just be physical. We're going to execute, and can you move that guy? Even though he knows kind of maybe what we're doing. Right. There's something to that. Hey, that's the that's the world my dad grew up in in the New York Giants, and yeah. you know, playing the NFC East that day. He'll tell you a story similar to that. You know, the great Eagles defenses of the late 80s, early 90s, right? I mean, my dad will tell you, it's the greatest defense he ever played. He played yeah. the 85 Bears, and he still will go, ah, I don't think they were as good as that late 80s, early 90s Eagles defense, right? Mm -hmm. With Reggie White and Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons and Eric Allen and Seth <laughs> Joyner, right? They were stacked. But, yeah. you know, they had a game plan one week, and they were kind of trying to be ambitious, and Bill Parcells came in, and he'll, he still tells this story to this day. He came in, and he just started crossing things off. He's like, you guys are effing crazy if you think you're going to be able to do this against the Eagles. Yeah. And he crossed it off and crossed it off, and he got down to it, and my dad was like, we had about 12 plays in the game plan that week. We were going to know exactly how to do it, and we beat the damn Philadelphia Eagles. I think it was to start the 1990 season. Uh, they beat them. They had actually a pretty good day successfully offensively. And, yeah, there's something to be learned about that for sure. Crazy. So, as you look at the uh, the playoffs, I yeah. mean, uh, the NFL looks for parity, and it's coming more and more, it seems like. I mean, there's yes. so many teams still. A little too parity, in my opinion. Uh, I concur. No, yeah. no question. What do you think uh, about the Bengals' chances? And what what do you think about the AFC North and how that might unfold a little bit? Well, I, I think the I mean the AFC North. I, I mean, of course, the we know the Ravens are really damn good, right? right? right. You know, the Dolphins, I think, are on the rise too. Now, I know they beat no quality teams, but their defense continues to get better. We know that offense is special. Kansas City, the D is good. The offense, it's it's you know kind of a work in progress still. Right. But we all, I think, would agree they're still scary with, you know, 15 and red there at quarterback. You're never going to count them out. Right. I look at, like, the Browns, the Bengals, you know, to be two teams that could upset some things as far as maybe, oh, we're excited for Chiefs, you know, Chiefs-Dolphins next week. What? You know, the Chiefs lost to the Browns? What? How could that be? Like, I look at, or, you know, the, 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 the Dolphins lost to the Bengals. Like, I do think there's, you know, these are two teams that could can upset some of the favorable media fan darling type of matchups for sure, right? That's where I really look at it. 
Uh, I just think there's too many playmakers on that Bengals team for anybody that I look at in the AFC to go, oh, wow, they'll be outclassed by them. And yeah. even though the defense has not been great this year, I still got too much faith, that I think, in the staff on that side and some of the players they got there, too. So, you know, in a one-game scenario, I still like Cincinnati to be a pain in the butt for anybody. And I say that with Cleveland, too. Cleveland's defense, they give me shades of the 2015 Broncos, right? They have games where you go, it almost feels like the defense can win the game by themselves. Their biggest thing, Dave, they got to rein in Joe Flacco. I mean, I wish somebody, I wish I could have thrown three interceptions oh. in a game and everybody gone, you're the hero of the game. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, when you're the other, when the defense creates four turnovers and makes all yeah. these damn plays and you throw an interception and they return to the three yard line and the defense stops them to a field goal. Yeah, okay, but. They're not going to beat the really good teams in the AFC that way. They got to rein Joe Flacco in a little bit. You know, I know he's a veteran, but he's the king of patting the ball in the pocket too many times and getting strip sacked. And if you call a deep throw down the field, Joe Flacco has never seen one that the guys covered ever. He throws the ball down the field every time, even yeah. if there's a mosh pit down there. So <laughs> that would be my thing to Cleveland is rein it in a little bit, play through the defense a little bit more, but yeah. I, when I look at like wild card teams to be scary, Cleveland, Cincinnati, of course, Buffalo, yeah. which is hilarious. I mean, Buffalo, I think, is one of the five best teams in football, and they're not in the playoffs yet. And then the Los Angeles Rams and the NFC. Those would be the teams that I'd go are kind of off the radar, but I'd say they could mess some things up when it comes playoff times. Outstanding. And uh, can't thank you enough for joining us and it's a special time of the year. You got a special family. Love your dad. Love you. You guys are awesome. You guys are tremendous football ambassadors. The Sims family is the first family of football. And, uh, you guys, I hope you guys enjoy the holiday season, my man. You as well, man. Thanks a lot. Um, you know, check us out on NBC and Peacock this week. We do got that Steelers Bengals game. Yeah. So I'll be breaking it down even more three o'clock on NBC on Sunday. So that'll be fun. But, uh, yeah, happy holidays to you, to yours, right? And uh, good luck to the Bengals and all the Bengals fans out there. I hope the season turns out the way uh, they they want it to. And I uh, I will be picking them to beat the Steelers on Saturday. So I you'll see that, that right? on the graphic with my name, no nice. doubt. Nice, nice. We got a little <laughs> little early info there. I like it, my man. This Sims. Well, that's that's good enough for me. I'm in, baby. I'm in. All right, man. Be good, Dave. Always good seeing you, buddy. You're the best. Appreciate it. Thanks, see Chris. You, Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team. Opportunity knocking.